This is a HeadGum Podcast. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're the super specials. Hello, Jack Shepard, my friend. Hey, Tanner. Uh, I hope you were having a chilly evening. I hope you're having a chilly evening. That's a chilly thing to say. Yeah, it is chilly here in New York. Oh, uh, oiny. Oh, yeah. It, no, not really. It's It gets cold other places in the country. I know, so but... it's not only in New York does like, it get chilly, but... It's an oiny thing to do to br- like find a way to bring the conversation back to the Big Apple. Like, it's the fucking center of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is the cultural capital of the world. Yeah, okay, all right, oiny. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, not very chilly. Only in New York can you find the cultural capital of the world. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. That is chilly. Yeah. Uh, super babies, attention campers and counselors. Attention campers and counselors. I'm Jack. I'm Tanner. Green ring. And this is the Babysitter's Club Super Club podcast. You know what we used to do that I what? miss is yeah. we would say, well, uh, this is the Babysitter's Club Club, and we would hit it at the same time. And we don't do that anymore since we're on the super specials. Well, here's what we can do, and this is actually great, is I can say, welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, and you can just throw a super in there before I get to the end. Okay. Let's Ready? practice. This All is right. a practice. Okay. Hey, I'm Jack. I'm Tanner. And this is the Babysitter's Club Super Club. Did I hit it? Nailed it. Let's do it again. I think I got, I edged in on you a little bit. And I, you know what? Try to say it in the same kind of intonation as me, because otherwise it sounds like you're interrupting me rather than augmenting my my I'll try to channel my inner Jack Shepard. Hi, I'm the outer Jack Shepard. I'm the inner Jack Shepard. And this is the Babysitter's Club. The Super. Come on, now you've ruined it. Do you want to try one more time? What do you mean? You've ruined it. I thought that was a great take. That was a bad take. I give you one. This is something you wanted to do. Okay. Hi, I'm Jack Shepard. I'm the inner Jack Shepard. <laughs> and this is the Babysitter's Club. Super. Club. Bad. Terrible. <laughs> You've lost privileges. We'll never do that again. It's a podcast. I'm literally doing that every episode from now on until we die. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast where we talk about the novels of The Ocean Princess, The Space Mountain, The Fast-Fingered Swordman, The Condor in the Squall, and The Knife, Martin, Frugalmaster. Ooh. This week we're talking about a Babysitter's Club super special called Super Special Number 6, New York, New York. Yes, I read it. Just I read moments it. ago. Yep. I, you know where I read it, Jack? Where? On the mean, hot streets of New York City. Forget about it. Okay, great. Yeah, how did it feel to you? Did it feel authentic? Oh, authentic. I love the Hard Rock Cafe. Forget like a, about Like it. an authentic New York taco like they eat <laughs> later in the novel? <laughs> I love me a New York taco. Straight <laughs> from the taco stand. I can tell you, here in Austin, Texas, we were rolling our fucking eyes. We Don, have, you know, Don eats a taco. I think it's Don too. Don eats a no, vegetarian. Yes, we do. No, you don't. There's a taco place a block from my house. You know what? You know oh, what they are. I'm sure there's a place that 
sells a thing that it calls tacos, but there's not a fucking taco place. It sells a thing that they call authentic Austin-style tacos. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. It is really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have here. They're great. <laughs> well, do you guys have authentic New York-style tacos? No. <laughs> Well, that's too bad because the Don says it's surprisingly good. Don is. It's just a, like it's like lettuce in like a hard corn shell. Ugh, and she was like, "It was so good." Yeah, Don does a real number in this novel. Don is uh, weird. Uh, the, all the girls are maniacs in this novel. Everyone's crazy. It's my favorite. I I the super specials are weird and they're yeah. not like the regular books, but I do love how completely bonkers all the girls are. Yeah. Like, Stacy was the normal one in this book. Stacy, like, there's almost nothing to say about her. She was just like, she's, ah, she's like in her element. element. Yeah. But, like, didn't ever talk about her diabetes, didn't ever talk about being from New York. She was, like, she very did, subdued. Oh, let me, let me, allow me to push back on that, Tanner. Let me read you this passage. I just wrote my note on it as just, this is very annoying. <laughs> swish, swish, swish. I opened my eyes just as a street cleaner whooshed by dad's apartment building. I ran to the window. Good morning, New York. I Yuck. called. Can you imagine? Shut up, idiot. Somebody fucking said that like out the window as you're walking past the street. Yeah. I would give them such a <laughs> wilting gaze. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. So, Stacy, not perfect. Stacy is not perfect, but she is the sanest of all of them. She's the sanest. Dawn turns into crazy. a total like maniac who who like is afraid to go outside because she thinks she's gonna get like mugged by like a giant cockroach. Yeah. And Marianne is <gasps> does her like tour book thing and also like starts to see like rogue agents everywhere. Yeah. We get our first and only instance of Claudia on Mallory crime this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Those two don't. Why would they? I don't think they've ever talked before. No. <laughs> but now Claudia hates Mallory. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the only like babysitter on babysitter crime. I thought that there was going to be. I thought everyone was going to turn on Dawn because she is the biggest criminal this week. Everyone kind of leaves her alone, and then like they actually kind of end up babysitting her. Yeah, they like bit. take it in turns to hang out yeah. with her inside. Um, I feel like we should. We we're we're. Diving into this text early, which I like, but while we're doing that, why not describe this text? Okay. And how do you want to do that? No, I've got an old method. It's what we've been doing okay. for the you past do it. five super specials. Um, you extemporaneously, but in a very polished and articulate way, describe this oh, novel. Dang. And then I will take 90 seconds to kind of fill in the gaps for you. Oh, uh, I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. Here's the problem. What? I don't have anything prepared. Well, that's the thing. You, you. That's what extemporaneous. Do you know what extemporaneously means? No, I do. It means without preparing. Mm-hmm. It means off the top of your head. Yeah. Um. Oh, geez. I just. I like barely got a chance to finish this book before we started recording. I've just been so busy. Okay. Gosh, you just want me to come up with something, huh? Yeah. Just re- reach into that mind palace of yours and pull out a perfectly polished crown jewel that we can all admire and you don't want to do your 90 seconds first just to kind of nope give me a template creature of habit and order and i want to do it the way we've done it every week okay i mean you're gonna have to be pretty lenient with me because i don't have much here um i guess i'll i'll begin go for it two tours in vietnam a spec ops mission in kuwait 36 confirmed kills, countless interrogations. Corporal William Henry Morgan, 
or Bill to his friends has seen it all. But nothing could prepare him for his life in the private sector. In Haiphong, Corporate Bill watched as his men were lured into minefields by snipers, vaporized instantly by Lap Lui Oi blasts. He watched as his fellow soldiers fell into tiger traps in the jungles outside of Kantho, impaled on spikes and left to bleed out. He'd never forget their screams. In Altera, six of his men died while trying to put out an oil well fire. The thick, acrid black tar clinging to their skin as they flailed desperately in the sand trying to put themselves out. But all that hardened Bill, made him into a better soldier, a stronger man. His lifetime of hell prepared him for his true calling. Watching after Alistair and Rowena Harrington, ages seven and four, the children of two English dignitaries in New York on an important peacekeeping mission. If anyone wanted to get to the Harrington children, they'd need to go through Corporal Bill first. (laughs) And Bill was ready for them. He got all the training he needed in the killing fields of Vietnam, in the deserts of Kuwait, and in New York, New York. (laughs) Babysitter's Club, super special, number six, New York, New York. Wow, I think you really got it all. Yeah, I told you before we started that I yeah. at my I like I was planning on doing a fairly comprehensive recap, robust, extemporaneously, yeah. of course. I like that you focused on this character as well. The um, the babysitters go to New York, and I think when you're a babysitter, when you're calling, when is, you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, and when you're a babysitter, everything looks like a baby. Yeah, <laughs> and they they're on vacation in New York, but the babysitting finds them. Yeah, and this week it was in the form of a couple of spies from England. And my only question is, and this is kind of giving away a plot point of the novel, but like, there's a man following them around the whole week while they're babysitting yeah. these two kids, yep. um, and he's wearing like dark glasses and a and a like hat. Uh, they it's it described himself? as a rain hat, which I don't quite understand. And but, they think yeah. that. They think that the the babies are going to get kidnapped. They think a lot of things. Um, yep. They think there's some real cloak and dagger shit going on. But it turns out that it's just they're like, oh, it's just the bodyguard. Yeah, Bill. But if if you've got a bodyguard looking after your kids, like, why are you hiring babysitters? Why are you hiring two thirteen year old girls? Like, you have a person whose literal job is to look after the children. <sighs> well, they get into this, Jack. Okay. the The kids they just wanted Alistair and. Rowena. Rowena. Yeah, that's have... what Anne has such a weird view of what England is. <laughs> Cuz we know we know this from um, Marianne and the Little Princess as well. Like I think Anne thinks that everyone in England is like a the royal family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they're very public figures in England is what they say and they wanted their kids to have a normal week in New York City. Right. Without having to worry. They they get very self-conscious when Bill, Corporal Bill Morgan, follows them around. And they just wanted a normal week to just act like kids. But then right. they also dress them up like Victorian dolls. Yeah. The entire week, too. So, not totally normal. Right. Not totally normal. They're an interesting aspect of this novel, but there's so much in it. Um, I think I did such a good job capturing most of this novel that... Do we even want to do your 90-second recap? Here's a here's an argument in favor of it. Okay. You didn't talk about most of the novel at all, and 
I would like to try to give some context to listeners who haven't read it in a long time. What do you mean? I talked about Bill. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Exclusively. And kind of fleshed out his backstory a lot. Exclusively. Talked about his time in Vietnam and Kuwait. And it was great. Yeah. It was great, but uh, there were other things, a lot of other things that happened in this text. Okay. And that's where I come in. And you think that stuff's worth talking about? I think so, yeah. I think we. I think it adds color to Bill's experience. All right, man. Whatever. We got, Don't you think? We got time. Yeah, we're, we've only been recording for about 15 minutes, so Listen, we got think time. about it this way. This, this guy, Bill, he's been through a lot. His history is really interesting. But his yeah. present involves running into these babysitters. And I feel like I can where I can come in with my expertise is, is giving you a little backstory about the babysitters. So you kind of know what's going through his head when he is ineffectively hiding from them. All right. Fine. Okay. You want to put 90 seconds on a clock? Do I... Ninety second yeah. timer. Good. Okay. In five. Oh god. Four, three, two, one. New York, New York. The babysitters are going to New York. Why? Uh, Claudia and Mallory have both decided that they are going to sign up for a two week intensive art class with a world famous artist in New York, and they're going to stay with Stacy. And then, and then Stacy's like, "Well, why doesn't everyone else come? I guess everyone else just decides to come." Everyone goes to New York. Half of them stay with Stacy. Half of them stay with Lane Cummings, who isn't evil yet. She's nice. They have a nice time with her. Uh, Marianne becomes a, a walking guidebook, which is kind of her thing that she does. Mr. McGill is a workaholic, and he um, there's some issue about whether or not he's going to take time off uh, for Stacy, but he does. Uh, these This London family called the Harringtons are visiting. We've already talked about that, uh, but they engage the babysitters to look after them. Dawn is afraid of everything. She's afraid of mugging and cockroaches, and she thinks that New York is a hellscape and basically becomes a shut-in until she meets this cute boy called Richie who gets her out of her shell right at the end. Jesse also meets a cute boy. It's a boy named Quinn. Who's we know str- him. struggling about whether or not he should go to Juilliard because all of the kids in his neighborhood are making fun of him for being a dancer. But Jesse convinces him that it is good to be a dancer. Christy finds a dog that she names Sonny. Um, and uh, everybody has a good time. And Claudia and Mallory are fighting because Claudia is the artist is being a taskmaster and is treating Claudia differently from Mallory. And Claudia Time up, time up, time up, time up, time up. Stop talking. But in the end, it turns out that uh, Stop Claudia talking. is actually a good artist and the guy was just being harder on her. Go to Mallory, hell. Stop Mallory talking. has no talent. The end. That's actually the actually the primary. This is, this, that's the main thing about this. is a book about Claudia. Claudia is the, the real heroine of this novel. Her journey is, is the primary journey. I'm so disappointed in you. Why? What? How? What? You didn't talk about Sonny. I did. I said Christy adopts a dog in any meaningful way. Well, I've got a I've got a segment for that. Okay, you didn't talk about you didn't acknowledge that we know Quint. Why would I acknowledge that we know Quint? I'm describing what happened in this novel. I'm not talking about my own experience. He's an old friend. He's a new friend. We now. know him, and now we finally get his origin story, and it's amazing. I don't think you mentioned King once. King isn't in this. Well, he's around. He's in yeah, New York City at must this time. Be. Yeah. Right? Lane Lane starts to show some of her her badness a little bit. I was expecting there to be more tension with Lane, but there isn't. Yeah, it really does seem like the art well, I mean, it's a Claudia book, right? Like the, the Claudia's the the architect of this fiction. Do you think every super special has like a main babysitter? 
I think every super special has a vehicle. I think it has like a, a frame that it's built around. Whether it's everyone is like, do you remember the Book of Logan when the girls yeah. were staying at Lester, La- uh, Lester Lounge? Yeah, that was Marianne. She's told everyone like, Logan can't come. I need you all to contribute to this book called right. the Book of Logan. This one was Claudia. She said at the beginning in the opening chapters that right. she wanted to go to this art school. She managed to convince everyone else to go to this art school. Right. And she wanted everyone to journal their experience so that she could do an illustrated book right. of their adventures in New York City. Right. And the, the book was illustrated and took this so seriously that she brought in her own father. What do you mean? Ugh. Tanner. I thought you were a close reader of these texts. I mean, I saw that it, it was it, interior illustrations by Henry R. Martin, but you're saying that that's Anne's father? That's Anne's father. They're beautiful illustrations. They're gorgeous. He's a very talented man. You you really think that's Anne's dad? I know it is. He's a, oh. he's a famous illustrator. Is he really? And Anne has never called on him before. She didn't want to hurt Hodges. But this time she was like... This is Claudia's story, and the only artist I trust to render her vision is my own father. This it's is this beautiful. Is too big for Hodges. This is too big for Hodges. New York is the cultural capital of the world, right? And Claudia and Hodges can't artist. capture that. Yeah, Hodges can't. Um, so I thought that was beautiful. So yeah, I think this is a Claudia book. I mean, it's not like the BSC books, the main canon, where each right. one is specifically called out in the title. Well, and Claudia goes through some shit. And Claudia, Claudia has the, the darkest journey. She's told her art is rushed, unfocused, yeah, unimpressive. She has a bad time. Like she can never get back the time that she spent having a bad time in New York and at this art right. school because like, of right at the him end. him. Okay, so let's talk about the monster. <laughs> oh, he's the monster. Yeah. So of course, Super Babies, as you will know if you've been listening to the Babysitters Club, Club Super. Okay, fine. You will know that every week, and to keep these, we actually books came up. We actually came up with an intro to this. Oh, did we? Yeah. Oh, what do we do? Well, right now there's a scraping sound underneath our voices, and oh, then scary. We're a door a, cr- a door creaks open, and one of us says. The monster. And then the other one, and then there's a howl, and the other one says, And the beast. Yep. That's scary. But aren't we going to scare our listeners, though? Yeah. Okay. It's titillating. Okay. Well, so every week, Anne puts a monster and a beast in these novels. We've cataloged them book by book without fail this week. The monster, I think, is this art teacher. His name is Mc... And he's the famous artist but don't say his name don't you dare say his name i shouldn't say his name so claudia doesn't refer to him by the name which i won't repeat right don't say it again in fact maybe we should bleep it the first time we'll bleep it yeah we'll go back producers producers go back and um get off your fucking ass come on you for come on yeah 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 leave a marker yes what do you mean, marker? I don't. I'm not in your world. Just do it. Just fucking okay, do sorry. it now. We're sorry. the talent. We are the talent. How many times do I have to say that? We are the talent. Sorry, sorry, baby nation. Just get sorry, so angry. Babies. They're just so incompetent. Okay, so they'll bleep it. They'll bleep it. Well, Claudia refers to him only as him, all caps. 
H I N. H I N. I'm I'm gonna go to New York, and I can't believe it. I'm gonna study with. Um, and then this man is not all that he seems. There, so I've got a couple things about him that I want to talk about. Okay. The first is the following, and this is like if if the fact that he is mostly referred to as capital H I M is not enough of a giveaway. When they first meet him, the following. Say thing, it right. When they first meet him. Sorry. When they first meet him, the following thing happens. We weren't impressed with the classrooms in the art studio. However, we were somewhat more impressed by the huge classrooms we found on the third, fourth, and fifth floors. Mass room. Sorry, can you bleep that? Yeah. Mass room was number You want four. me to bleep it again? Because you said it again. Yeah. His was number 414. Tanner, Proverbs yep. 4... One, four, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Of course. It goes on to say something that chilled me to the very bone uh-huh. about why you shouldn't set your foot on their path or walk in their way. You want to know why? Yeah. But they eat of the bread. I didn't know this. They eat of the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. <laughs> that actually sounds no that's very i know bad. that's supposed to be scary but it actually sounds really cool <laughs> i think that's what stacy did in stacy and the crime girls she drank the wine of violence and ate of the bread of wickedness i would do that if someone no. came to me and said this is the bread of wickedness and this is the wine of violence and i want you to eat and drink both these i would be like hmm <laughs> that sounds cool it sounds cool, but very bad. You should. That's why you should. You just don't step on their path. I drank. That sounds a, like a I, I really drank a great full glass of the wine of violence this, this evening. Which is why I'm in such a good mood. I'm on my third uh, Brooklyn Lager of violence. <laughs> anyway, if that's not a signal, so him is the, the monster. The only other thing that we need to know about this guy is the following. Obviously, bleep the name that I'm about to say. Yes. And angers me that I have to repeat this, but if you don't fucking do it yourself, it's not going to get done around here. Yep. Did you even get any grapes today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> good. No, he's the only fucking competent person on this goddamn staff. The grape guy? Yeah. At 9.30 on the nose, even though kids were still arriving and without greeting the class, Mark began to speak. He said... Today's lesson is intended to make you aware of dimension and perspective when you draw. <laughs> I feel like the when you draw is pretty uh, perfunctory there. Like It's pretty perfunctory because he's trying to make these girls aware of the dimensions that they had previously been unable to access. Yeah. This is a dangerous person. You think that... These girls before now only had access to how many dimensions? Four max. Oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. I understand. Yeah. I thought maybe this was like a flatland thing and you thought these girls were until now like one or possibly two dimensional creatures no. and that he, him is opening up a world of depth. No, they are. But no, have these are, that. these are normal girls who have access to three or four dimensions and are now their minds are being flayed as right. they're granted access to yeah 
we're talking the, five, the full six, slate of dimensions. Ten, yeah. a thousand dimensions. Right, and who knows what will happen to them. Maybe it's what happened to Dawn, frankly. But this brings me perfectly to the beast. Mm. Because the next thing that him says, yeah. all morning, Mr. kept looking at my drawings, pausing, and then telling me to do something differently, to work more slowly, to pay stricter attention to angles. And on and on. Okay. You know who pays strict attention to angles, don't you, Tanner? Yeah, I do. I do, indeed. And do you want the Hounds of Tindalos. The Hounds of Tindalos. From H. The Hounds are said to inhabit the angles of time. And the best way to get their attention is if you travel through time. Yep. And once they catch on to you, they will never stop chasing you until they've... Right done whatever horrible thing the hounds of tindalos do and i think that we have a hound of tindalos in this novel i think you're right about the hounds of tindalos obviously i think Mm -hmm. that's obviously what our beast is this week i actually managed to catch another hound of tindalos in this book which which only confirms your theory Mm. when we had paid for our lemonades and they were expensive as lemonades go we walked around some more Stacy bought balloons for the children. You can't take them into the museum, though, she warned them. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, let me try that again. Yeah, can you do a British accent for that, please? Yeah. Uh, th- uh, that's, th- that's all right. That's all right. Pa- posh, not fucking... Posh. That's all... That's Cockney. All right. That's all right. I don't know how to do British accents. Say it real quick. That's all right. <laughs> okay. That's all right. That's all right, said Rowena. Mm. We'll tie them to something outside and get them when we're done. That was pretty good. Alistair and Rowena finished their drinks. They rode the Ferris wheel, and after the ride, they left the fair. How do you like my dog? Rowena asked as the four of us walked slowly towards the museum. You're what? I said. I was holding one of her hands. In her other hand was her balloon. It bobbed along beside us. My pet dog, Uh, Rowena said again. She pointed to the balloon. See him? He's on his leash. His uh, name is Travis. Travis Balloon. And so what what Dawn and what Marianne and Christy see is a balloon. It's a balloon, right. And this poor child who's like, who's hasn't been corrupted by the world and sees things as they actually are is right. like no she sees there's a, hound. a there's a hound floating beside me don't you see it don't you see his, it his name yeah. is travis his name is travis balloon i found him in a corner <laughs> <laughs> but i think you're right this confirms yeah. it that's two that confirms it two sightings two sightings yeah. of the house and who Tindalos. brings them in and this is perfect anna's is done a wonderful thing this week whereby she has made it so that the monster is what allowed the beast in Right. And I like that connection. This monster, him, and his beasts, has told everyone to pay attention to angles, and you know what happens. We've warned you over and over and over, super babies. Round off the corners in your bedroom. Yeah. Because his hounds are coming. Right. While we're talking about Anne. Yeah. Very quickly, Mm. wanted to hit the epithets. Yeah. Let's let's go through the episode. Here's my pitch, yep. just very quickly. Okay. Every week, Baby Nation, Super Babies, and in the super special books, reveals a new epithet to us, a, a nickname by which she would like to be called. Um, some of the previous 
hits you heard earlier, mm-hmm. um, Ocean Princess, Space Mountain, The Knife. Condor in the Squall. Here's my pitch. Yeah. Anne M. Martin, The World of Nintendo. <laughs> Can I push back on that? I mean, if you think you need to, if you think you have something better, <laughs> this is they're at South South Street Seaport. Yeah, they're at South Sea Streetport. That's a hard. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Can yeah. you say it right now? South Street Seaport. You had to really think. About yeah, no, it. I had to really work on it. Yeah. Well, I've had a kind of a lot of the wine of violence. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a lot of the Brooklyn Lager of violence. Uh, hey, a craft collection said Lane. A Laura Ashley store said Dawn. Uh, the athlete's foot said Christy. Maybe it's that. <laughs> the body shop said Jesse. World of Nintendo shrieked Alistair. And I wonder where the Benetton is, said Stacy. Here's why I think that's A not. world. Anna Martin. The Ocean Princess. The Space Mountain. A world of Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> here's why I think that can't be it. Okay. Anne wants to aggrandize herself. She wants to make herself bigger in our minds. She a wants... world of Nintendo, Jack. That's a world. Nice. That's nice and fun. But her epithets aren't her trying to be nice and fun. Jack, do you They're know what Nintendo to make herself translates to? Give herself power. No, I have, a, I have an alternative theory. Okay. Let me read you this passage. Okay. At the end of... I thought mine was good. I didn't think Whatever, so. whatever, whatever. Fine. At the end of this novel, Anne has the girls take a limo to go see a Broadway show. Right. And on the way there, they see a little out-of-the-way store that they'd never noticed before called Mythologies. Mythologies. Yeah. Christy makes them stop. And they're like, we're going to be late for – what the fuck is on that I wish I knew? Cats, Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera. Okay. One of those shows. Yep. Great. Not not very interesting. Probably Cats. Cats. Cats is pretty interesting. Cats is interesting. They walk inside the store, and the following thing happens. Ah, the laughing mirror, I sighed. Then I held up the demonstration mirror, and just when I saw my face in it, the mirror laughed at me. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh-huh. I began to giggle. Now there's a new kind of mirror, Lane informed us. She held it up to Dawn's face, and the mirror screamed. So I bought a screaming mirror, and everyone except Lane and Christy bought fish flashlights. I don't know what that is. And then we I don't know what that is either. What a weird store. So they go into a weird store called Mythologies, and they buy the a screaming mirror. A screaming mirror. I don't know. It's one of the two things. And I think here's my case and we can decide which of it it is. What Anne is doing is she is holding a mirror up to us. Yes. And that's what she does. She does every week. Every Every single week. week. She holds a mirror up to us and she reveals a deep truth about ourselves and about the world that we live in that we never saw before. We've been doing this for years now, two years. And every week she does that. Right. My question for you is when we look in that mirror, does it laugh at us or does it scream at us? I think it depends. I think it changes week to week. Right. Week to week. Sometimes yeah. sometimes I look in that mirror and I hear laughter. Yeah. And those are the good days. Okay. But then there are the dark days. So I think that what Aunt, Yeah. Oh, Jesus. 
the days where I look in the mirror and just hear screaming. Yeah. And that's the experience of being a Babysitter's Club scholar and expert. And that's why we do it for you so you don't have to, Baby Nation, Super Babies. And as far as Epithet is concerned, I think it we're going to have to take it week depend. by week. That's what she wants. She wants us to choose week by week whether she's the screaming mirror or the laughing mirror. Yeah. And you can, I think, task. Super Babies, you can kind of really read into our moods. Yeah. <laughs> I think depending on whether or not you get the laughing mirror or the screaming mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we think know. this is better than the world of Nintendo. I think so. A whole world of Nintendo, Jack. I think that's a good and fun thing, but I don't think it's what Anne wants us to call her. Can you imagine how fun that would be? A world <laughs> so of Nintendo? Good. Yeah. I would play Ninja Gaiden 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Tanner. Oh, okay. I was thinking that now would be a good time for me to go and get a little bit more of the wine of violence. Yeah, I'm going to have some of the... Bread of wickedness? Bread of wickedness. Okay. Goodbye. Let's talk about Dawn. Okay. Dawn in this novel is strange. Yes. She's seeing things. She's seeing things. I have a I have some She's paranoid that I want to tease out with you. She becomes paranoid. I think this has happened before in the novel Stacy's Mistake. Where all the girls go to New York. All the girls go to New York. Stacy's mistake was probably inviting them to New York. It was also eating too much candy and having a massive diabetic attack and, and almost dying. But nobody has a good time, and the person who has the least good time is Dawn, who, like, it just, I don't know, it's weird, because, like, it's not very California casual, but she thinks that New York is, like, this hellscape. Here's the thing. Yeah. She's very nervous about New York. She hates big cities. Yeah. Is what she says. She's from fucking Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Or the suburbs of Los Angeles, California. She's from the biggest city in the United States. She just buys this hype about New York being like this crime. Oh, New York's a nightmare. So, yeah. I got to say, I live here and I have lived here for 10 years. New York's a nightmare. I once saw a man masturbating onto an ATM. I once. Do you know my story about this? No. I don't know if this is an appropriate venue to tell this. Yeah, but this is your show, man. Sarah and I once got dressed up for like a, it was like a flapper costume party. So we got dressed okay. up like real nice, like we were from the 20s. Sure. And like super, On Governor's Island? Uh, no, it was at our friend's house okay. In, okay. in the East Village. Okay. And we got on the subway and this gentleman started masturbating to, about us. Mm-hmm. And he was looking at us and he was masturbating. And it was like, well, we both look great. Right. So but you... it was also not something that either of us wanted. Oh, okay. And then a guy who was sitting next to us turned to the gentleman and he was like, I know what you're doing, man. Yeah. And the guy was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he didn't stop at all. And then right. the, Why would you? The first guy who confronted him said, I'm a cop. Oh, okay. And, and the, was he? He was. Okay. And the other dude stopped masturbating but didn't skip a beat and was like, oh, how long have you been on the force? Okay. And the cop was like, oh, 10 years. And then they just had this like and they lively had a conversation. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's a oiny. very New York moment. Yeah. Oiny. Yeah. Oiny. Oiny. Yeah. Anyway, the guy I saw, I turned around, I turned off of uh, Smith Street onto uh, Baltic and there was a Chase ATM there. And a man was just um, masturbating onto the ATM. I assume because like 
the well, thought of someone using the ATM with his masturbation <laughs> on it helped him finish. Yeah. So, Babysitter's Club books. Yeah. Now that we've both told our hot New York masturbation Oiny. stories. Oiny. Um, One time my friend Jim and I were on the train and a guy was hauling a giant like TV like before all TVs were flat screens and they were like big thick TVs. Mm-hmm. He was hauling it on a dolly and he bumped into another guy's foot and the guy said, "Hey, fuck you, man." And this guy was like Eastern European and he just started shouting, "Fuck to you. Fuck to you." <laughs> Good. And Jim and I have been saying that for ten years now. So yeah. So New York's not all bad. New York is it gives it gives and it takes. Yeah, it gives and it takes. Um, uh, some beautiful New York stories. Oiny, oiny, oiny. But so Dawn changes in a way that as soon as she enters New York, something changes. She, here's right. and and the way that she enters New York, I think, is worth calling out. The next thing I knew, we were in that dark tunnel. The tunnel makes New York seem like some otherworldly place that you reach by hurtling through space and time, right. she says. And then she gets strange. She refuses to go out the whole, literally the whole time until the last day she spends in the house. She won't go out. She's afraid of giant cockroaches. Like people – like they take it in turns babysitting her. She's they afraid of snipers. She says at one point. She's like, oh, snipers will get me. Snipers will get me. So something has happened to Dawn – Welcome to New York, Stacy whispers as they enter Grand Central Station. I had laughed, but Dawn had sat next to me like a statue. Um, later, they get to Lane's house, and Marianne says, That's Central Park. I thought I heard someone say something about a talking guidebook, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, at that moment, the doorbell rang. Dawn screamed. The doorbell rang, and she screamed. The doorbell rings. It, so something has happened to her, and... Maybe Here's, she thought it was a sniper. And it might have been. Right. Here's my f- my final thing that happens to Dawn that I think really stands out, and I'm sure you caught this as well. Dawn was the only one who didn't say anything, and I realized she'd been sort of quiet ever since we'd reached Grand Central, and especially ever since an ambulance had gone screaming by the cab we were riding in, and then a second cab had almost broadsided us, and our driver had leaned out of his window and screamed something unrepeatable at the top of his lungs. Uh, okay. Something? Like something the human tongue can't right. say. Something a human tongue can't speak. Something unrepeatable. The only thing I can think about is what is probably the most well-known unrepeatable phrase. And I imagine Don must have heard this. And okay. And you're going to repeat it now? Well, should we do a warning or something? Well, you just said it's unrepeatable, so I'm curious to see how you pulled this off. It's it's difficult. I was practicing it earlier, and it's very hard to say. Okay. We'll do a warning. Baby Nation. Yeah. Super Babies. Yeah. Jack will do this in under 30 seconds, so if you're worried about this, skip ahead 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. I'll just try to say it. It's almost unrepeatable. I looked up ways to pronounce it. 30 seconds. Okay. Fungui Muglunath Cthulhu Relay Waganagul Fatain. And that's an approximation. Yeah. Welcome back, up, Super Babies who decided to skip ahead. I looked up I looked up how Lovecraft says you should say it. He says the actual sound as nearly as human organs could imitate it or human letters could record it may be taken as something like Okay, well you have to Sorry, Super Babies. Yeah, sorry. I you had to you should have warned them. Okay, and then I said it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it is interesting. The first syllable is pronounced gutturally and very thickly. The U is about like that in full, and the first syllable, syllable is not unlike cool in sound. Right. Yeah, I hear this kind of stuff a lot when I'm walking around New York, you know? I see these Lovecraftian horrors, yeah. these Hounds of Tindalos. I see these, like, fish, these people who look like they might be half fish, half human. Yeah. Um, but you know, oiny, oiny, and you just you learn to ignore it. But if you're like Dawn, yeah, Dawn, and you have no context for it, you're gonna open your ears and your mind to it, and you're gonna get flayed, flayed. Your mind will be flayed, and you'll do something stupid like spend two weeks sitting inside someone's fucking apartment when everyone else is all your best friends in the world are having a fucking sweet ass time in New York City. She does meet a cute boy. She meets the cutest boy, and that Tanner Ricky is my <gasps> glug glug glug. Glug, 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 glug. Mm. Ah, I'm parched. I don't know how we introduce What's the it. intro? What, is, what's you, what are you introducing here? Immersed in thirst. Oh, uh, you're immersed in thirst. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> this week I was... sexy music playing under all this. Okay. Good. What, well, this week you were immersed in thirst by... And that's what we say, Super Babies, when one of us, one or the other of us, felt like we were going to hashtag swoon. Right. Um, this week, and I did over this guy Richie, Richie Magnesi, rollerblading Richie Magnesi, Richie, not Ricky, Richie Magnesi, rollerblading Richie Magnesi. That sounds. That does sound good. And that's how he. That's how he got in a cast. He does sound handsome. Yeah. Now that you've mentioned that he's a rollerblader. Yeah. Well, that's good. By then, I'd had time to study Richie. His hair was brown and longish. 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 He'd let the back grow into a very chilly little tail. <laughs> oh, oh, just full body shudders when you said that. And when he's, no, you've, I am not immersed in thirst. When he smiled, am... his cheeks dimpled. How could I have thought he'd look like a creep? Because <laughs> he, you, but D- Don, <laughs> the person you just described. Looks like a creep. <laughs> he let it, the back of his hair grow into a chilly little chilly tail. little tail. They say I don't know if we explain this up front. I'm not sure we explain it. They say chilly, so they have a thousand fucking words for cool, and they're all great. Distant, uh, dibbly, chilly, and now is the new chilly. One. And chilly is, and the etymology of it is fascinating. It's because like if something is cool, it's cold, and if right. it's super cold, it's chilly. Chilly. Yeah. And that's fucking great. I can't believe this didn't take off. Yeah, it never really makes it into the main canon at all, does it? No, they say dibbly, they say distant, they don't say chili that much in the main canon. Chili's great. Uh, but And chili little tail is, is, is oh. all you need to oh, hear. It just hurts me every time you say it. Immersed right in thirst. No, I'm not immersed in thirst. I'm, I'm living in a stark world of part. <laughs> what rhymes with parched? No, th- th- we've been through this before, and you misunderstand how this works. If you're living in a place where you're parched, you are immersed in thirst. You're thirsty. Do you get this? Okay, what's the, what rhymes with quenched? Say she quenched. <laughs> you're quenched. I'm drenched. drenched and quenched. Great. Okay. So this was chilly little tail. No, that oh. drenches. That I'm I'm entrenched with. I'm entrenched in quench. Ex- excuse By me, that. sir. I uh, I couldn't help but notice, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is that by any chance a chilly little tail growing out of your neck? <laughs> 
It makes him sound like Obi-Wan from the prequels. There's sexy music, though, when I say that. No, it's bad. I'm I'm entrenched and drenched, drenched with quench. <laughs> oh, and then and then I and he turned around and there was a chilly little tail. Mm-mm. It was just growing out of his neck. Can I can I bring you into my world of hashtag swoon immense yeah. immense in immersed in thirst immersed in thirst? <laughs> yeah, please. Quint and I left the Walters apartment. We stepped into the hallway. Will I see you tomorrow? I asked as we waited for the elevator. I have to go back to Connecticut on Saturday morning. Saturday morning? Quint looked dismayed. I don't believe it. We're going to visit my grandparents tomorrow. We won't even come home until Saturday afternoon or maybe even Sunday. That means we have to say goodbye now, I whispered. Yeah. The elevator hadn't arrived yet. Quint and I were leaning against the wall, our shoulders touching. Oh, Slowly, oh say no more. Quint turned to face me. He took my hand in his. Then he tipped my chin up and kissed me gently. Does it say where? On the chin, you think? Oh, you know what? It doesn't say where. I think if you're going to tip someone's chin up, Quint you want to get at their chin, right? He turned my face up, he took my hands in his, and then he tipped my chin up Yeah. and so kissed he, me gently. I wanted to plan to smack her on the chin, right? Well, let's see. Because I feel like Anne would specify where, wouldn't she? Because that's I important. That's Jesse's first kiss. There's no indication of whether or not Quint is taller than Jesse. And in fact, Jesse is often described as fairly tall. Oh, so maybe he's very short and he tipped her chin up so he could get at her neck. Like right like, like in the, in the like solar plexus. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that would be in the way. Right. Yeah. That so he moves her chin up. He's like, get, <laughs> let me get at that. Yeah. Like right here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the real hard bone right in the middle of the chest. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Breastplate. That's a power move. I honestly, if someone, I'm happily married and have yeah. been for several years. Yeah. But if someone approached me and like Tipped lifted chin. my chin and kissed me right on the solar plexus. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Hashtag swoon. Hashtag swoon. Immersed in thirst right there. I would be immersed in That's thirst. That's powerful. They're like, excuse me, can you move your face out of the way? And they put their they put their, their palm, the like their palm up, and they put it on the bottom of your chin and they just tip it up. Yeah. So it's all neck and solar plexus. Right. And they just plant a big smacker right on there. Right. And they unbutton the top on your button breast my plate. like J. Crew shirt. So yeah. my solar plexus is just out and they're yeah. just like Come to come to daddy. Yeah. You know? Well, and what a beautiful first kiss to have. What a beautiful first kiss right in the solar plexus. Yeah. No one's ever done that for me. Oh. Imagine that being your first. I didn't realize you were still a virgin. (laughs) I didn't realize either until just now when I finally had it described to me what the thing is that everyone's kind of like wink wink about. Well, this is how Debonky starts. <laughs> no, that's not how Debonky starts. Debonky starts. It's when you... it's one of the steps of Debonky. Yeah, but that you, that you tell someone. I mean, like a debunk. right. Sorry, what I meant was then obviously you once chin. you started. Once you started Debonky, this is one of several steps. So we're getting this is what and Anne, and I think this is beautiful that Anne is doing this in these books. Is she's giving us book by book, basically a guide to Debonky to Debonky and. What she's given us previously is that you say to you got to say to someone me like a debonkey. 
which is what she said at the beginning of a novel. She said, me like it a monkey. This book is yes. now about to start. Yes. But what she didn't say is what you do next. And that's been right. an issue for me because I've been taking advice from this and I've been saying it. And then I'm like, and then, you know, Sarah's like. You've been doing it all wrong because you're also married and have a kid. Yeah. So, like, something definitely happened. But I don't think you've been doing anything in the right order at no, all. No, I don't think so. And I'm trying to rectify it. But once right. I, like, the problem that I found, and I'm like, I don't know, we're all friends here, but like, I'll say me like a debunky. And then it seems to be going well. That goes over great. Right. Of course. But I don't know what to do next. And now I do. Here's tip my the, worry. Tip the head up all the way backwards. Here's my worry for you. Yeah. Is that Sarah, you'll, now you have this new move. Yeah. And Sarah will tip your head up and kiss your solar plexus. Yeah. And you won't feel anything. Why not? I just maybe because like you guys rushed into this relationship without yeah. even like <laughs> doing solar plexus kissing. We did rush into this relationship. We dated for many years and then got married. But and then have you ever solar plexus kissed? No, no. And if you and she kisses you there and you feel nothing, it's like, well, that's it. That's the end of that relationship. Oh God! Right? Yeah. You rushed into this. I rushed into this. You're no better than Jesse and Quint. Well, but it was a beautiful moment. A beautiful moment. It made me um, immersed in thirst. It made me. It immersed me in thirst. Jack. Yeah. Your Honor. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Your Honor. Yes. I'm feeling a little bit. Okay. Well, what a new approach. I'm feeling a little bit emotional. Don't don't share that with the court. <sighs> Can we have a brief recess? Yeah. Uh, is in recess. I would like uh, attorney for the prosecution to please approach the bench. Okay, that was that was. Oh, that's me. That's you. Oh, I thought it was on the defense. And attorney for the defense. Okay, I'll come too. This is. It's just so that you can, as you know, you've been a lawyer for a long time. This is so that lawyers can come and express their emotions. Sure. It sounds like you were this overwhelmed by emotion. Relates to the Christie subplot in this book. Excuse me. This is a another hit and run case. Okay. Right. So, Your Honor, I read a book this week, Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 6, New York, New York. Mm-hmm. One of the subplots in the book was about Christy Thomas uh, finding a dog. Shouldn't you be focused on this family that died? And Can it's you, a I, brutal no, hit and run. I should be, and I will be again soon. And you were thinking about a what? What is it? A Christy's? Christy Thomas finds a dog okay. in Central okay. Park. Okay. All right. Sorry. Please carry on. Let's, let's get right. this over with so we can get back to this important case. Sonny, son of Louie, is the dog's name. Uh-huh. She hides it in Lane's guest bedroom for several days. Before hides Lane's... him. We know who he is. Sure. Okay. Yep. Hides him in uh-huh. Lane's guest bedroom for several days before uh-huh. Lane's mother finds it and makes Christy put up missing posters slash take this dog off my hands posters because right. Watson Brewer. Watson's well, like, Christy's let... like, oh, I'll, I'll convince Watson. Watson is just like, fuck you. No, fuck you! Absolutely not. Your family has brought nothing but like more shit for me to take care of. <laughs> like I, I like I like met Elizabeth and we got along well, and then she was like, "Oh, also I have like eleven thousand children and fifteen thousand pets. Can we all yeah. move into your mansion?" And a your ghost. Ghost. Uh, Christy gets a call from a young boy named Brandon mm-hmm. Leach. Oh uh, yeah, beautiful. And she brings Sunny over. Brandon Leach wants a new pet. He's a nine-year-old boy. He wants a pet. Christy brings Sonny over to Brandon's house, and they meet. It's beautiful. Brandon spoke up. I promise. 
I promise, I promise I'll take care of him extra good. I'll play with him and I'll remember to feed him and I'll walk him a lot. I won't forget to fill his water dish or anything. Honest. I looked around the leech's apartment. It was small. The furniture was old and worn. But someone had crocheted afghans for the couch. And dried flowers were arranged in vases. Plus, Mr. Leech obviously cared very much for his son. While Brandon already cared for Sonny. I smiled at Mr. Leech and then at Brandon. I knew I had found the right home for Sonny, son of Louie. What are you going to call Sonny? I asked. You mean, I can keep him? replied Brandon. If it's okay with your dad. He's all yours, Mr. Leech said to Brandon. All right, cried Brandon. He threw his arms around his father, then around me, and finally around Sonny. So, what are you going to call him? I asked again. I could barely hear Brandon's answer, since his face was still buried in Sonny's neck. But I think this is what he said. I'm going to call him Sonny, of course. (sighs) That's beautiful. And I, for the same reason as you, was very emotionally touched by this moment. Because it's so sad that this poor child and his father, who are just trying to make ends meet, have now been plagued by a hound of tintalos. And will obviously oh, okay. be brutally murdered. Right. Just horrifyingly. But you know what? Sometimes that's just the way it goes. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. But Sometimes yeah. that's what's best for someone. Yeah. To just... These people are obviously not They're struggling. super well off. They're in an Upper West Side apartment on Central Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have, they have like crocheted Afghans. <laughs> But they're obviously struggling, yeah. you know, so maybe it's okay for just the Hounds of Tindalus to come and just take them. I think it's probably for the best. Yeah. Right. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah, I thought that that dog was going to go to someone we knew. Yeah, and, they kind of hint at it. She's and, like, And it's also like, did Christy just steal someone's dog out of Central Park? S- Christy definitely just stole someone's dog out of Central Park. Because <laughs> it's also like, it's very well-behaved and obviously well-trained. Yeah, and it's like they see it in a bush. And it's like someone probably just like letting their dog run off the leash. And Christy just took it home and gave it to a boy named Brandon. But also, like, Lane and the Cummings-like are considering it. yeah. And Mr. McGill is Mr. also McGill like, weirdly considering. The He's dog- like, he was like, Mr. McGill was like, oh, I would love a dog actually, but like, what would I do with it when I'm at work all day? And it's like, yeah. dog, yeah, we we all do this. Like, yeah. this is a thing. You know how many New Yorkers own fucking dogs? You yeah, hire a, a walker. walker. Yeah, that's the why you're at work all day to pay for like <laughs> stupid, expensive New York shit, like hiring a fucking walker for a hundred dollars right. a fucking walk. Living in New York sucks, and it's stressful and shitty, so you buy a dog Mm -hmm. to, like, alleviate some of your stress. Yeah. But then, like, you need to hire a fucking walker to walk the dog, so you have to work more to be able to afford the walker. Yeah. And then that stresses you out, so you get another fucking dog. Yeah. And then you start doing heroin. And meth. And meth. Sure. It's 1991. And you adopt the dog from your shelter. And you adopt the dog. Right. Yeah. You know, buy a dog. Sorry, not buy a dog. Adopt a dog from a shelter. Don't baby super babies. Don't don't buy designer dogs. <laughs> it's a waste of money. It's a, a whole. There's a whole industry. You know about this more than I do, Jack. You know what's cruel and unusual? Speak on this. I want to talk about something else that's cruel and unusual. Speak on this. 
This novel starts with a fucking 300-page letter from Claudia. Oh, uh, yeah, I skipped it. It Like, Super Baby's like, these books often, because they're super specials, like, the thing that's super and special about them, and I don't want to cast aspersions at all because I enjoy them, but the thing that is super and special about them is that they're longer and that they have more fucking, like, handwritten shit in them. Right. That's hard to read at the best of times and impossible to read when it's cursive. Mis- misspelled cursive that's like, keep in mind, we're reading this on our fucking phones. Yeah. It's like an, a, a JPEG, like a, a low-quality like, JPEG file. And the joke of Claudia is that every word is misspelled. Right. And this book starts with a fucking 300-page like dissertation from Claudia. Yeah. That was insufferable. I felt that was particularly cruel. Yeah, I mostly skipped it. Uh, Here's another cruel and weird thing that happens in this novel. So you and I have enjoyed in the past, uh, Anne likes elephant jokes. Yes. Anne Anne loves elephant jokes, and it often is a signal that what we're about to read is a bit of absurdity. But the, so they have an elephant, and and if you want to go back to our back catalog, the podcast episode Claudia and Mean Janine, we really explore elephant jokes, and they're funny. And we had a good time with it. They tell the darkest, most fucked up elephant joke in this novel. Did you catch this? Yeah, it was pretty bleak. Yeah. It was very bleak and very like scary. And it's scary. It's scary. It's frightening. I. It's like. The plot point is that they tell this elephant joke and then they can't stop laughing through the Broadway play and they probably ruin the Broadway play for everyone. But here's the joke. Well, what actually made them laugh was an M&M fell in a lady's shoe. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, well, that, that makes them laugh. But this joke, they say, Christy says that she can't stop thinking about this joke throughout the play. Yes. It's probably like Les Mis and like everyone's crying and they're fucking like losing their minds because of this fucking dark fucked up. This is the most fucked up joke I've ever heard. Go ahead. So should we, what, do you want to do a warning, producers? Producers? Yeah. What do we do? Uh, if you don't want to hear the most fucked up joke of all time, Super Babies, skip forward. 30 seconds. Producers, you have nothing to do here. Stop. No. Fucking leave me alone. All right, I'm going to tell it. Not you. The producers. Producers. Okay. Just looking at me. Me? They are. The producers. Yeah. I'm going to tell this joke. Are you okay to hear it? Yeah, I'm I'm quietly Googling for our next segment while you're doing it, so ignore me. Oh, actually, I want to tell it to you, and I want to experience your reaction to it. Are you sure? Because I was busy finding a courtroom pun for our next segment. No, I want you to experience this joke. All right, but we're going to have to work through this together on tape. Fine. Hey, you guys. Hey. What's red and white on the outside? And gray on the inside? What? Are you sitting down? Yes. Okay. Well, this is kind of fucked up. Okay. It's it's a can of Campbell's cream of elephant soup. Okay. It's gray because they like they rip the elephant babies from their mothers and pulverize them. Wouldn't and that the be gray, red? Yeah, but the gray from their skin. No, I get it, but isn't there a lot more blood than skin? <laughs> I think they probably, for marketing purposes, they like would they put dye gray, gray food coloring because you know that it's elephant. Right. I don't think gray would be any more appetizing than red <laughs> if I were eating 
It's like a gimmick. Cream of elephant. You want it? You want it? It's like only the fucking richest, like most elite monsters who've lost touch with their humanity right. would ever eat this. Right. And so, like for them, it's about the novelty, and they want to experience. They want to feel like. Like there's oh, probably okay. like written on right. the back of it is there's a whole origin story of like where that elephant came from and like like what its lineage is and like how it was killed and like And they eat it, they all eat it and then they like purge. They like throw it up so that yeah. they can eat more. Yeah. Like there's exactly. like rich parties. Yeah. That's what those And then they are like, like dance and yeah, enjoy one another carnally. I suspect. I suspect they're right. fucking they're like pushing each other's chins up and Necking right, and if and if this places. is part of your process, if this is how you do debonkey, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not everyone's process. It starts no with saying, here. "I like it a bonky." Yeah. It ends with saying, "I like it a bonky." Yeah. Whatever happens in between is everyone's independent journey. If yeah. you eat <laughs> pureed elephant, purge it, have a wild orgy. Yeah. Fine. Just make sure you do it not the for me. And yeah. Not for me. Yeah. But fine. Yes. These girls think it's hilarious, though. I guess they're young. Right. Anything sexy is kind of It's like titillating, right? Yeah. Yeah. Book six. Mm -hmm. Took us this long to get here. Yeah. But here we are. Mm Mm-hmm. It is... 1999. No. 2018. Well, okay. We had a hit segment on our previous show called The Bird of the Week. Mm-hmm. Obviously... We need to find a way to bring that back. We've been ignoring and sidelining all the greatest burns in these books until now because we've been too afraid to afraid. confront yeah. the segment. Yeah, that probably has to be courtroom themed. And it has to be courtroom themed, right? <laughs> may I approach so, the burn? No, may I approach the oh. burn is good, but we already have a hit segment called May I Approach the Bench, which is yeah. crying. Yeah. Which is about our tearful moment. So, What's, well, it's like a sentencing. Okay. Don't Sentencing. you think? That's what a burn is. Is It's like a passing down a sentence. Okay. What's the equivalent of a burn in a courtroom? How about small... Can we do something with small claims court? <laughs> small flames court? Small... Small flames court is pretty good. <laughs> small shames court? Is that something? No. How about slams? Sentence to burn. Your Honor, may I approach the burn? No, we can't just do that again. <laughs> um, we just absolutely can't just do that again. Okay. And this is why I was feverishly Googling before while you were doing your last segment. Here's what would have happened if you would, if you I had let that happen is you would have ruined that segment by not paying attention to me, and then we would still be right where we are. Habeas corpus. Slabius. <laughs> We're on to something here. No, no, no. Let's follow this. Let's follow this. Slabius. Slabius corpses. We can do this. We can do this. We're there. We're there. Slabius porpoise. <laughs> All right. Slabius porpoise. We've did it. We've done it. That's it. Now we've run out of time. It's Slabius porpoise. Okay. Uh, Super Babies, this is the segment of the show where we talk about the best burn of the week. It's, of course, called Slabius Porpoise. It's about trying to imagine. And and the reason. Promise we'll work on the name. The reason we call it that is because it's the mascot of this segment is a, a sassy porpoise. 
Yeah, like a fierce porpoise. A fierce porpoise who's always right. sassing people and burning them. And right. he often crosses the line and has yeah. to go to court. Right. Because his, it's like his infractions are so fucking fierce. They're so fierce. But... Uh, did you have, Jack, did you have a... Did, this week, did you have a slabious porpoise? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a slabious porpoise this week. Can I read it to you? Yeah. This is when Claudia and Mallory are fucking pissed at each other. And they go to a Chinese restaurant and they get fortune cookies and they do an Abby's Tight 20 where they're like, fortune cookies never have fortunes anymore. And the following thing happens. We ended up laughing and our waiter gave us extra fortune cookies. My fortunes weren't exactly fortunes. They were advice on how to get ahead in the world and how to get along with people. I slipped that second fortune onto Claudia's plate, which is pretty passive-aggressive now that I think about it. Yeah. It's a fortune about how to get along with people, and Claudia's, like, being really shitty to Mallory because Mallory is being praised by the teacher and Claudia isn't. When she noticed it, she read it, glanced at me, and simply muttered, Teacher's pet. Slay-bias porpoise. Slay- Bias porpoise. I think we're going to have to workshop this for the next time. I think the title's good. <laughs> good. Um, was, was yours? So each of these books ends with a series of letters, mm-hmm. which is not something we've ever really addressed before, but there's always like five to ten little brief letters at the end with all the characters wrapping up their stories. Yeah. My slabiest porpoise of the week. <laughs> I think what it is is that it's it's like you ask the slabiest porpoise. What does habeas corpus mean? It means someone has to appear in court, right? Yeah, it's. I, I'm reading off a website here. It refers to a judicial order that forces law enforcement authorities to produce a prisoner in their custody and to thereby justify the prisoner's continued incarceration. It means let... Let them have the body in Latin. It's a it's a, a case of the subjunctive, I think. Habeas. So the the prisoner that they've caught has to come to court and say his piece. Right. Okay. So that makes sense then. Slabius porpus. Yeah. No, I, I, nobody's questioning whether or not this makes sense. It no, makes no, no. a ton of sense. My slabius porpus of the week <laughs> okay. is uh, in the form of Mallory's letter to Mr. and Mrs. Cumming. Okay. Thanking them for letting her stay at their place. Yeah. Mallory f- essentially fails out of art school. Yeah, she's bad. And decides that she's going to dedicate that's herself my, that's to That's my slabiest purpose of the week, is it fucking him? Yeah. Mr. whatever his name is. Don't. To fucking bleep it out. It goes to Claudia at the end, and it's like, the reason I've been so harsh on you is because you're incredibly talented, and like it's worth it for me to be harsh on you. Right. And Claudia's like, oh, is Mallory good? He's like, no. No. He's like, yeah, she's so bad that, like, I've just been praising her because, like, there's nothing I can do for her. Yeah. Well, and then Mallory goes up and she's like, hey, him? Yeah. Am I good at art? And he's like, no. No. No, Mallory, no. (laughs) He's like, you will never be as talented as Claudia. It's so fucked up. She's like, might I one day be good enough to be a children's illustrator? And he's like, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. If you I work really hard. It's like she's 11. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. and Mrs. Cummings and Lane, thank you so much for letting me stay at your apartment. I had a great time in New York. Also, thank you for hiring the limo and giving us free tickets and feeding us 
so many meals. How did you like having four extra daughters and a temporary dog? I started my New York story. This is her storybook. It was about Ryan and Megan, two field mice, visiting the city. I wanted it to be very detailed and accurate. Do you happen to know how many bathrooms are in the Plaza Hotel? If not, don't worry. I bet Marianne knows. <laughs> Thanks again. Yours truly, Mallory. Good. My habeas porpoises is on Marianne for being a dork who memorizes guidebooks and would know how many bathrooms there are in the Plaza Hotel. Yep. Marianne doesn't want to experience the city firsthand. She needs to mediate it through a guidebook. So we'll work on the name of that segment, but I'm glad it's back. Yeah. Thank God. Should we do like... Hey, Oh, sorry. Slabius. Porpoise. Here's my argument against that. I'm not sure we want to make a meal of it. Okay. It's so strange. What do you mean? No, no, it's very good. Slabius porpoise, because it's like a, it's a porpoise who's slay. Yeah, slay king. We're gonna work on it. In the meantime, Super Babies, we're going to leave. Oh, you're done. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Super Babies. Jack's done. Yeah, we've been talking for a long time. Janine visited the IBM Gallery of Art and Science. I got that, too. It's very funny. (laughs) Janine says... She didn't visit it. She asked Claudia if she... Janine is so... This is a very Janine moment. I searched the crowd for my family. There they were in the back, not holding banners or wearing T-shirts. Just there. I ran to them. I hugged all of them, including Janine. You're back, said Dad. Duh. You made it home safely, said Mom. What did she expect? Uh, did you by any chance visit the IBM Gallery of Science and Art? <laughs> That's the genius. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Janine. <laughs> uh, slay. Slay. Slay, Janine. I've been Tanner Greenring. I've been Jack Shepard. This was our podcast that we record every week called the Babysitter's Club Super Club. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Please do it. Please do it. I haven't seen many ratings lately, and we need them. We need I don't them. read them. Otherwise, we will, uh, we will die. We will all die. We'll all die. I don't read them, but I do check in on our merch store, bit.ly slash merch yeah. every now and then. And we do have plenty of great shirts and pins and even a tote bag available mm-hmm. to purchase. Holidays are right around the corner. Purchase them now. Give them to your father. Yes. And only your father. Super Babies, this week we read a novel that was called New York, New York. And next week we're reading a terrifying super special called Snowbound. We just read that. Actually, we read a super special about them being snowbound, but right. it wasn't called snowbound. This one's oh. the Anne's really going for it. Okay, well, I'm excited to read it. Snowbound. I'm looking snowbound. forward to it. This week, Super Babies. I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is always has been and continues to be Tanner Greenring. For the love of God, have fun and be careful. Round off the corners of your bedroom. <laughs> Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented.
tell. I got a, I got a very distracting text message from my friend Jim, whom Mallory hates. Yeah, and all boys. And, and all boys. But I'm closing it now. He did one of those and emojis. Do you know the new iOS thing where you can do and emojis? Mm. You can do animated emojis. And he keeps, he's got this one where he keeps winking one eye and sticking his tongue out like this. That's funny. <laughs> it's really <laughs> distracting. I wish I could forward it to you somehow. Turn, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>